0: Welcome, everyone, to The Deep Dive, the podcast that skips small talk and goes straight for the concepts that shape our thinking and behavior. In this podcast, cold expertise is defenestrated as warm philosophy is enthroned in an attempt to explore the field in which we're all scientists looking for answers, living well. to another episode of The Deep Dive with Ayal Shai. Today I'm joined by Bianca Wells. Hi, Bianca.
1: Hi, Ayal, Thanks so much for having me on.
0: Thank you for coming on. And what would be an idea or concept that has helped you live well and that you'd like to uh, share with others or open up about?
1: So I did put some thought into this because I... I don't typically sort of walk around with philosophical ideas, top of mind. But I realize that one of the things I have been using to guide my life uh, pretty significantly over, I would say, maybe the last couple of decades is the idea that we are the product of the consequences of our choice. And so there is always a choice. And it's in making those choices that we determine who we are and where we go. So I thought that was something that we could explore today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm very interested in hearing uh, what were the the seeds there that sprouted this thought in your head, or when about in your life did that come to your uh, consciousness and was something that grabbed your attention.
1: It took me a while to formulate it as an idea, but it definitely is something that had started to, to sneak into my consciousness, I guess, pretty early. Um, I noticed uh, definitely even just with my parents, both my parents are doctors. They met in medical school. So their, their life had kind of a, a similar uh, decision point Up to then, their background had been very different, but they had ended up in the same place. And the choices that they made after leaving university with their medical degree led them in very different career directions. So although their family life was the same, because we were, you know, uh, a family unit, my parents are still together, they've been married for 40 something years, the path of their, their career was very different. And it was really just a matter of having made different choices. Uh, My mom headed more into private medical service. She worked with a private medical group and became sort of a, a general practitioner, a family doctor. And my dad kind of took the public service route. So he worked in our public hospitals. He ended up joining the army at one point. And as a result, their medical careers looked very different. So even though they were both doctors, um, I was already seeing that the choices that we make you know, could result in a very different life direction. And so it was already an interesting exercise for me as a child, recognizing that my parents had studied the same thing and had ended up in two very different places. Um, just to kind of reflect. And I started doing thought experiments sometimes where I'd wonder, well, if my dad had chosen something different, what would his life have looked like? If my mom had chosen differently, what would that have looked like? What would that have meant for our family? Um, And so I was already a bit of a thinker as a child. And it meant that when it came to things in my own life, I started to think more about what would these choices mean for my future? and entertain the thought exercise you know the experiments looking back and saying well if I had made a different choice at that point in time where would I now be so it it really is something that kind of develops over my entire life but it took me a while to formulate the actual idea
0: (laughs) yeah as it as it does for us all first it starts as something that's quite vague and then uh, years later down the road it uh, crystallizes but yeah you, you've had the privilege of having two parents I don't know which one of them is the experiment and which one is the control group but they actually see it that you know they started at a, at a similar um, starting point and were they very much doing those exercises in their minds do you think or did they kind of stumble into uh, where they, they ended up in in, the, in terms of sectors and, and careers? Did they put much thought into it?
1: Uh, well, of course, difficult for me to say because I wasn't around when they were making some of the earlier choices. By the time I came along, um, the paths had already diverged. But I suspect, like most people, they were making decisions with the information they had available and they were just making the best decision that they could for themselves and Um, you know, their family at the time uh, based on the combination of what they knew, uh, who they were, because they have different personalities, you know, everybody has different values. And so they brought all of that into their decision making. I don't think, and this is the case for most of us, when we are making these choices, we don't usually know exactly where it's going to lead us. And it's very difficult to look you know, five, 10, 50 years into the future and kind of imagine where it's going to take us. And so I don't think that they were thinking of that at the time. But I definitely think if they, you know, now were to take a look back, they would recognize where they had made some of these significant decisions that kind of took them in the direction that they are.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. But it's, and it is impressive that you have early on caught on to the fact that, you know, we do have, uh, well, free will is a big one. It, it has been discussed on this podcast before, but, you know, for as far as I can tell, I have it, you have it, everyone has it. And it's uh, maybe surprisingly not trivial to realize that. You know, we have, uh, our choices are going to impact us way down the road um, from now. And I really like your um, your story in the beginning reminded me a little bit of uh, Greek mythology with uh, Prometheus, who uh, stole fire from the gods and gave it to humans and was uh, severely punished for it. But the nice thing, which I'm not sure if many people realize, is that uh, Prometheus's name comes from uh, Promethea which means foresight. so it's it's really about uh, you know the whole nice story but it, it all kind of boils down to the fact that we as humans have foresight are able to think about consequences about how choices are going to change our lives and I think it's a central thing that we must realize if we are to to live well. Is that we should examine our uh, the consequences of our actions in the very short term, uh, which is easier. And for some reason, you know, it turns out that considering the longer term is is harder for us. And I'm wondering if, for you personally, do you feel that it's been easy for you to uh, always aim for the longer term? Uh, Uh, Times in your life, rather than rather than constantly focusing on what's uh, right in front of your eyes.
1: Not at all. (laughs) Uh, For a really long time, I never had an answer when people would ask me, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? Like that's a typical job interview question, and I never was able to answer it um, because I really couldn't picture anything, I mean, to me, five years seemed long-term. So, you know, starting to think about 10 years, 20 years, 50 years ahead, for me was always kind of an impossibility. And some of that may have been impacted by my own youth. Um, When we're young, we kind of think we're going to live forever. And so, you know, 50 years out seems really far away uh, now that I'm older. 50 years may not even be a thing. So um, it's a lot easier now for me to look 10, 20, 30 years out and imagine where I'd like my life to be um, and kind of start factoring that into my decisions. Um, But I do have friends that have done it. I have friends that sort of write out their life plans. Um, One friend, you know, from he was 15, he sort of wrote out his life plan and he had that 25-year plan, Um, you know, and he, he sort of still keeps that updated. So he's always looking 25 years out. But for the majority of us, you know, seeing that far out, it takes practice and it takes a certain amount of awareness of ourselves, of the world, Um, you really have to think outside of your own context if you're going to think that far into the future, because there's so many things that can impact it. Um, And so it does require a very different kind of thinking. Um, You have to start networking all of these ideas in your mind about where your life would go, you know, where the people around you, what they could end up doing, what the society you're living in you know, how that could be shaped over the next 20, 30 years. Um, You know, the world we're living in, uh, you know, when we came on, just small talk, we were chatting about the weather. But nowadays, talking about the weather is not just about the weather, it's about climate change. And so we genuinely don't even know what our world is going to look like in 30 years. You know, scientists have an idea and they're telling us, but it means we now have to incorporate that into our own personal thinking when we're trying to imagine our future in 30 year.
0: Yeah, it's so interesting. You know, growing up, I I remember kind of not having the faintest idea of the meaning of time on a historic level. If you hear about the Roman Empire when you're ten or something like that, I, I I tell that to my three and a half year old, and I can tell it's like she doesn't even know what a year is really so 2000 years like just wrapping your head around these bigger numbers and then of course you hear about uh, physics and the beginning of the universe and, and that is still hard to grasp but i think it does take at least a couple of decades of of uh a record of living just to get a sense of of what what is possible in in two five years and I'm like you, I'm, I'm a person who thinks in very abstract terms. And I know people like you who could just envision themselves at age 40, 50 in their um, yeah robes of a doctor or whatever it is they wanted to do. And I'm also amazed that that it's possible. For me, it's, it always ends up to be, well, I, I just want to be in a place that is good mentally, but I I never knew where it's going to be or what I would be doing. Um, yeah. So in terms of, uh, recounting like first choices that you have made with the idea that we are the product of our choices, what were some of the, of the first, uh, let's say, uh, goals that you started thinking about more explicitly or, um, or anything like that, that started directed, um, your choices, what was that? Uh,
1: So one of the, the clearer ones for me is that for a really long time, I've known that although I didn't know the specifics of what I wanted my life to look like as I got older, I knew I wanted it to be here in Jamaica, where I live. And so from as far back as, I would say maybe about, 25 years ago, when I started looking at where was I going to continue my studies, you know, after high school, what was I going to do? And I I had taken the opportunity to live in Europe for a year. So I I went on exchange and I lived with a family. And I started looking around because I'm in this European city, All the people around me are talking about going to school in Sweden and Australia and Finland. And I start considering universities in Europe because this is exciting. And I realized partway through that year, I really wanted to go home. Like I loved living in Europe, but I really wanted to go home. And... That's what I did. I went back home and I went to university here in Jamaica. And that was already a pretty significant choice because a lot of my friends from high school who had gone to university in the U.S., for example, have never come back here to live. Right. Very few Mm -hmm. of them have come back here to live. And so that was already me starting to make the kind of choice that, you know, was creating a very divergent path if I had gone to university in Europe, for example, it's very likely I would not have come back to Jamaica, to live at any point in time, because my world would have been very different. Right, And that's, that's a choice that I continued to make because when I started thinking about doing my masters, um, I needed some financial assistance and I was applying for scholarships and I actually got scholarships and I had a full scholarship to go to a university in the Northern United States. And I had a half scholarship to go to a university in the Southern United States. And I sat with that for a while. And I, again, recognized that for me, the further I went, the less likely it was that I was going to create the life here that I wanted. And I ended up deciding to stay in the Southern United States because it was close to home, because it made it more accessible for me to to come back home on holidays, to see my friends and family, to have a lifestyle that was closer to the one that I was familiar to. Um, And it wasn't that I was afraid to leave uh, because I have left several times and I leave and I go and I live in other places. But for me, coming back home was a really important value. And so I found myself making a series of choices that kept me closer to home, that made it easier for me to return home. And because in my head, that's the life that I wanted to create was one where I was here in Jamaica.
0: Right. And just so uh, so I'm, I'm ignorant about this from a cultural perspective, but would that be um, almost Surprising that you did? Like, is it considered very lucrative to move abroad and, and develop yourself overseas if you're from Jamaica? Like, how would that be looked at from a cultural point of view?
1: So culturally, uh, and this is not unique to Jamaica, but definitely the entire Caribbean region has struggled with a brain drain problem. Mm. where people leave the Caribbean, they go away to study or work, and they never come back. And so we've seen generations of young, intelligent professionals leave and create a life for themselves elsewhere. Uh, right now, there is a lot of debate as to whether that is a better life, because there are, of course, challenges with living in some of these other places. In the last few years the the culture in the United States has shifted significantly particularly where it comes to racial equity and so on but that has impacted quality of life for migrants and Caribbean migrants in particular are seeing the impact of that as well so there are a lot of people who are now saying you know it is better to stay in the Caribbean Mm -hmm. um and so we're seeing a little bit of a shift there but there has been traditionally a brain drain problem uh people have seen it as a move up to create a better life for themselves. The economies in the Caribbean. Most of them tend to be weaker or dollar tends to be much weaker compared to the United States dollar. And so for a lot of people, it has been financially beneficial to leave and create a life and a career in the United States or Canada. Um, A lot of people migrate to Canada. So definitely when I was sort of making some of these choices in the 90s, it was a little unusual. Um, not not that nobody stayed, because obviously people do, but it was seen that if you had the opportunity to leave, because not everybody does have that opportunity, mm-hmm. um, you would be seriously considering it. <laughs> you know, you would take that opportunity, even if your decision was you would come back eventually, because that is what a lot of people say, that, you know, they leave, they'll, get comfortable they'll
0: build a life and then they'll come back so right. little yeah yeah i i, I could imagine that that this would be the case and uh, for you internally like in making that choice was it uh, was there any uh, conflict or was it crystal clear so crystal clear that you wanted to um to be in jamaica that it was uh, relatively easy and then generally Um, How do you approach when when making choices? um, uh, How do you approach it in terms of of what to look for uh, when making a choice?
1: It definitely wasn't an easy decision. Um, Even though I knew I wanted to create a life for myself here in Jamaica, I could rationalize and say, well, I could leave and come back. So I could still go and then come back. So that was still there as an option. So it did require quite a bit of thinking through and and kind of analyzing and thinking about what the consequences might be of of that. If I did leave, what would that mean? What could that look like? So it wasn't an easy decision. Um, And I guess getting to it starts to answer the next one, which is how do I go about things like that? Um, My thought process, my decision process, usually involves. there is a lot of analysis that happens at first. Um, I do tend to be very analytical. I do tend to overthink things. And I like to imagine things all the way through to as far out as I can picture and look at what the consequences are and consider all the pros and cons and look at my current situation and how does that impact not just me, but the people around me. But inevitably, after I've done all of that, it comes down to my gut and I sleep on it. So usually after I've done all of that analysis, I will just, if I've not arrived at a clear answer, and sometimes even if I have, I'll actually just make the choice and then I go to sleep and I sleep on it. And if I wake up in the morning, and my gut is twisted and my head is fuzzy and my throat is closed up, then I know it's not the right choice. And I'll go huh. with something
2: else.
1: And if I-, I wake up feeling clear-headed and calm and settled, then I know I'm good with it and I can keep, I, I stick to it.
0: So ju- just to make sure I understand, you literally that you go, you go to sleep with that decision in your head.
1: Yeah, literally, oh. I'll make the choice. I'll make a choice based on all of the information I have. But if I don't feel good about it when I wake up, then I know that either there's something missing from the information I had or it's just not the right choice for me.
0: Yeah, I, I really like it because, you know, as far as we know, we're not completely sure how the whole dream thing works or what our brain does. And it does a lot while we sleep. We know that much from uh, looking at it while we sleep. But yeah, I, I really like this uh, approach of, of consulting it, the, the non-explicit part and let it do its um, computation magic. You know, if this is more like uh, working in bits than in SNP, maybe it's working with qubits or something like that. And it's less clear what's going on. But uh, I, I love that you let yourself uh, trust your intuition there. And uh, how has that been proving consistent for you like how uh
1: yeah um i don't often go against my intuition and what it does for me it doesn't mean that my choices always work out um but it does mean that i can be comfortable with the choices that I make. I don't second guess them. I don't spend half the time going, I wonder if I should have done something else. Um, I'm usually pretty comfortable with it because it means that with all the information that I had available to me at the time, consciously and subconsciously, this was the right decision for me. And I'm able to move ahead, you know, commit myself fully. Uh, There's no doubt in my mind after I've done that. And it also means I don't I don't spend a lot of time in regrets, even I mean, years later looking back at my choices. I don't end up sitting in a place of I wish I had done differently because I know I made the best decision and chose the best thing for me at that time.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's so important. I remember doing that when I when I got my tattoo at age nineteen and I didn't have a, a good reason to do it. So I just wanted to do something that's irreversible. I think just to practice decision making, and I remember uh, kind of being for the for the first time in my life really uh, cherishing a moment, really looking at a moment, and getting a good still picture of it for for later use. Because I think when we're young, kind of life kind of just passes, and I don't know how um on we are even because i have very few memories of rational decisions even at 16 you know and i just remember looking at it and remembering seeing that it is me who made the decision and it's going to be irreversible in the case of a tattoo or something and recognizing that it could change you know later i could I could understand that, well, you know what's the point and so on which I think today today's like, what is the point? I don't need a tattoo, but I can appreciate the fact that that person back at the time had their set and and I'm at peace with with that person. I think it it goes with um it, it's the same with other decisions that I've made, and I think it's so important that when making a big decision make sure that your future self is going to be forgiving because you know things are could not turn out like you thought and maybe it's because of stuff you didn't know maybe it's because of stuff that you couldn't have known of course and it's so important to keep a place in our own hearts uh, for forgiveness to that to the person who made the choice in the past and it's, it's not easy because it's really easy to look at all the things that could have been, should have been, and get swept away by that. Uh, but the reality is that there is reality. And uh, the person who made the choice was probably not completely insane and so deserves uh, compassion and understanding.
1: Absolutely. Um, and as you were talking, you you said something interesting about, the decision not um, being irreversible and one of the things I think that keeps people locked in that place where they can't give themselves compassion um, because they're thinking they should have done something differently they should have made a better choice is and, and we often don't recognize this and remind ourselves of this All our decisions are irreversible. We can't actually go back and change what we decided. We can't go back and change what we did. It's already done. It's in the past. And so because of that, you have to give yourself compassion because all you can actually do is make a new choice from today. So you can now choose to do something different. Maybe you can make that same choice again with new information, with new circumstances. But all of those decisions in the past are already irreversible. You can't ever actually go back and change any of them. And that kind of what that's that kind of what this life philosophy does for me, which is that who I am today is the result of all of those choices, regardless of what I think of them. And so you kind of have to accept that you made those choices, because they were your choices and they got you to where you are. And you don't even know who you would be if you had made a different set of choices. And spending time on that is nothing more than a thought experiment, Um, you know. But people get kind of bogged down in worrying about all of those choices that they made that they can do absolutely nothing about at this point. Um, And there's actually, I ended up kind of browsing for it. There's this image from, Wait, But Why, which I love mm-hmm. the way that they kind of dig into topics. And they have, I don't know if you're familiar with that one, kind of looking at the life path. And they show you like all the life paths that are close to you.
2: So They're mm-hmm. all these
1: black branches, you know, and they draw a line as of today. Oh, and, right, right,
2: right. The possibilities. Today, yeah,
1: exactly. From today, the possibilities are infinite. You know, you can make any choice today and kind of change the path of your life. But you really can't do anything about the ones that you didn't choose in the past. Um, And I always kind of like thinking about it that way, because it means you have to have compassion. You literally, your past self no longer has a choice. And so all you can do is just recognize the choices that were made and, you know, make new choices if you didn't like those.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that even if you do something that's on paper reversible, you know, you choose to, um, you go from Jamaica somewhere else and you say, oh, well, that was a mistake. I'm going to go back to Jamaica, for example. You know, that's still irreversible. Yes, you corrected course from your perspective, but you now have some knowledge, some experience from this other place that you went to, you didn't, you, and you can't undo. Um, and you can't unlearn, um, so that's worth pointing out. And then in another podcast that I had with um, Etienne here, Etienne Fortier Dubois, uh, we discussed uh, regret, and I I told him something which I think is is worth uh, reiterating, which I think is regret is very powerful if you if you look at it as a kind of of perception that we have. About the past that frees us from the the uh, frees us from the uh, obligation to do the same thing over and over, right? So it's exactly. it's not really. And of course, if you ruminate, if you if you steep yourself in in regret, that's pathological. But so is sadness. So is happiness. So is any emotion that's that just shows up at the unfitting time of course but regret is so powerful in the sense that it's a blessing that we have that we can look back and remind ourselves that we can always act differently in under uh, similar circumstances obviously not not uh, exactly the same but similar circumstances and i think it it very much nicely uh, kind of gives an explanation to free will, too, which I think is a very problematic uh, concept. I think that our notion of free will could be an illusion, but just the fact itself that we have the perception of ourselves having free will is really what opens us up to the possibility of doing something creative, doing the non obvious thing, because because we feel like we could, you know, and and maybe we couldn't. And if perceptions have any sort of causal power in that, that they themselves are a factor that informs future actions, then it's really good that we have a perception that things are wide open rather than completely like, rather than having tunnel vision and very few choices to, to, um, to choose from, which is probably the case for, for most animals, you know, if a lion had an idea about uh, rolling a big boulder from the top of the hill on the head of the canoe, uh, they would do that rather than rather than run very fast, you know. But since they don't have the capability of uh, entertaining c- crazy so-called crazy ideas, uh, that doesn't happen. So I think regret is something that. A lot of people don't feel any sort of positive, have any sort of positive explanation for it. I think it's it's a very powerful thing that could help us a lot. Just don't obsess about it. As as exactly, you shouldn't.
1: Exactly. It's, <laughs> it's in the obsessing that it gets problematic. Um, but as you said, every that feeling of regret, it really, you know, it gives us that option to not repeat the same. The same choices, basically, and it's something that I've tried to remind, you know, my friends and family. When we're looking back at these things, just take the learning from it. You know, don't sit and say, "Oh, I wish I could do something." Well, you you couldn't have done something different. You did what you did. You can't actually go back and change it. All you can do is take what you've learned from that and see how can you use that now. How can you make different choices going forward? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, when people have asked me about regrets in the past, I'm like, well, I don't really have those. I mean, it's, you know, I can look back and for me, enjoy thinking about what could I have done differently if I knew what I knew now, but I didn't know it now, you know, then. So it's just, it's really just an exercise, you know, to work my brain and see what could that path have looked like, but I'm not going to sit kind of in that space of regret and and it turns into self-pity and you know oh poor me because my life sucks because I made that choice. It's like well okay fine you made that choice make a different one now and see what you can change. So it's, it's definitely mm. perception plays a big part in that.
0: Yeah and it's, it's interesting because Obviously, being able to even look at the the longer term goals, you know, not uh, eating all the chocolate we could tomorrow morning because we recognize it's going to have repercussions down the road and so on uh, is something that, uh, you know, we we struggle with, especially as children. And then if we're lucky, then we grow out of it. But many people don't. Uh, But I think there's also something to be said about this seeing yourself as as an agent who has taken the, the best choice that it could have at a certain point in time is also something that is fun in itself. And I think this should be emphasized because to me, it feels just good just to be able to say, you know, I made the right decision, understanding that the goal that I aim for is not necessarily going to be achieved, okay, for maybe reasons that are out of my control uh, completely. But being able to see yourself as a person who has made a, a rational choice with the analysis and, and also consulting uh, the, the subconscious while, while sleeping uh, is just something that uh, empowers yourself and gives, gives oneself uh, confidence and pleasure in the moment. So, making the the correct choices uh, at the time is is just something that that is pleasurable and kind of. If there's any question about, oh, am I giving up something pleasurable for some something that is more farther in the future? Well, I think we're giving up less if we are actually uh, doing our due diligence before making choices.
1: Yeah, and and that's why I said, for me, that process involves both the analysis and the intuition um, because I do try to make sure that I have, you know, as much information available to me as I can, but you also can't get too bogged down in trying to get perfect information because you're never going to have that. You're never going to know everything you could possibly know. And so making that choice and, and even just sort of, Choosing when to make that choice, you know, puts you back in control and accepting that you've made the best decision. As you said, it is empowering. It is empowering because when you're then looking back at having made that decision, it's not that circumstances kind of forced you into it. It's no, you made a decision based on what you knew, based on what was happening. And that sense of control, whether free will is real or not, <laughs> you know, that perception of control um, is fun and it is empowering and it does make us feel better about sort of who we are and where we've taken our lives. Because it's a very disempowering feeling to think that you're just kind of along for the ride. Um, that, you know, everything around you is kind of deciding where you end up. So that's, it's, it's definitely something that has made life more fun for me. Um, it means that I can look back at the journey to how I got to where I am and, enjoy the fact that this was all my doing (laughs) you know I created this it's something that nobody else could have created because it's all based on me and my experiences and my own beliefs and my own thoughts and perceptions and values and opinions and my own intuition so that journey is uniquely mine
0: yeah absolutely I'm I'm wondering, do you have any sort of something resembling a, a protocol um, for uh, recognizing what actually uh, necessitates the the very diligent procedure? Or obviously, like a lot of the choices we make are not that big, and we don't want we don't want to spend much time on them. But uh, I'm wondering if you've ever found yourself. Uh, Kind of catching yourself that oh I've I've made this into a much bigger thing than what it it really is, uh, or 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 conversely realizing later like oh more thought should have been put into this, and then today how do you uh, what do you generally think are some of the things that really require some um, heavy lifting from us mentally, uh, as opposed to things that maybe surprisingly trivial in the end
1: uh yeah so I've definitely caught myself overthinking um there are definitely times when I have you know spent days and weeks just kind of ruminating over a choice and trying to decide what's the best option and then I catch myself and I realize that it's really not that big a deal and I need to just pick something um One of the things which, I don't know, it doesn't work for everybody because some people get really anxious, but one of the things that has always worked for me is what's the worst that can happen? Because if I do ask myself that question and the worst that can happen is not actually a big deal, then I don't need to spend a lot of time thinking about it. Um, Because why am I going to waste all of that energy doing all of this analysis if the worst that can happen is, I don't like it. Like, okay, if I don't like it, what's the big deal? Like, so I don't like it. I do something different next time, no big deal. Um, If the worst that can happen is, you know, a much more significant impact and this is something that could potentially impact, you know, the entire future course of my life, you know, maybe leaving my job means I might end up Absolute worst case, I could end up homeless and on the streets with no money. Well, then I need to put more thought into that, as opposed to I'm just gonna experience a little discomfort. So worst case scenario for me works really well at kind of reining myself in because I I I am not someone who catastrophizes everything. And so there are people for whom worst case scenario is a terrible idea because. To them, the worst case scenario is always like the end of the world. And if you think everything could lead to the end of the world, then that's going to leave you kind of paralyzed. You're never going to be able to make a decision. And so for those people, a worst case scenario kind of framework will never work. Um, But I'm not one of those people. Um, There are times when I recognize that the absolute worst case scenario, the worst thing that could happen is... Really minor. And in that case, I know I don't need to think too hard about it. I literally could just, you know, flip a coin and make a choice and move forward. Um, what I do find is that my ability to do that has improved as I've gotten older. And so it does come back to. Some of what you were saying before, I mean, as kids, we don't think very far ahead, you know, even as teenagers, our thoughts are, are still, you know, our vision of the future is still fairly limited. And so at that stage, like the worst case scenario seems terrible because to us, you know, how I feel tomorrow is like the end all and be all. That's what I need to know that I'm going to be okay tomorrow. The older you get, your perspective does start to lengthen. And so now, for me, worst case scenario is I'm now looking 30 years out. Like, what is the absolute worst that could happen in 30 years if I make this decision today? If this decision is not even going to matter in 30 years, probably, I don't need to spend a lot of time on it. Like, will it? could it create a bad day tomorrow? Sure. But is that a big deal? Probably not. And so... It has gotten a lot easier for me to start doing that and kind of use that to decide when do I need to analyze.
0: Yeah, that, that makes sense. I think that for a lot of us, um, we get bogged down in uh, more aesthetic uh, imagination about, uh, about the future. And for a lot of people... Uh, i think they aim at a, at a certain aesthetic of what the the best possible outcome for them is or the or the worst possible outcome and at least in my case i try to uh to really stay in, in abstract terms if i am doing well and this is mentally then i need to remember that it could literally be uh in I don't know in what country. I don't know in what city. I don't know in what village. But kind of not not get so um, not get so um, blanking out on the word, But <laughs> not getting so caught up with with a certain aesthetic, with a certain image that's going to be there and saying like, "Oh, if if I if I." well, anything I'm going to do is going to lead to that if, if it's the worst case scenario. And then that image is also is always haunting me, right? Wherever I go. Or conversely, uh, a lot of people, I think, have a very clear image of what their good life looks like in terms of the material they have, right? like the, the the house they have, where it is, their partner, um, the amount of money in the bank. And this is all a very more uh, easily perceptible because it's it's visual to some extent. And I think that creates a tunnel vision because you're kind of limiting yourself. You're not going to be happy with, with different images that come up, even if they're relatively close to the one you had. And I think it's important to, um, at least for me, think in abstract terms about uh, well-being and things that are more abstract to realize that uh, this is more an adventure than, than some game with, uh, with a clear point that says you've won, you know. How nice would that be, right? Because we know it from computer games that you just get to the last level and you win and hooray, you know, you get all the coins. Uh, but life is much more open-ended than that. And I find that it's helpful not to, not to just constantly have a good idea. Of of where you're going or where things could go. And part of the beauty of life is just be constantly amazed of how it actually unfolds. And this is part of also not limiting the range of things that you would call a good life. You don't want to limit yourself to a, a very narrow range. You want to make the best decision you can and realize that it's actually probably not going to end up exactly like you thought. And yet. Let's enjoy that.
1: Yeah. And I definitely find that my, so beyond the framework of looking at what's the worst that could happen, which kind of tells me how much analysis and thinking do I need to put into making this decision and making this choice. But the criteria that I now use for figuring out what is a good choice um, has started to shift. So, like a lot of people, I mean, I think we all start there definitely when we're younger. You kind of have this picture in your head of what that life is going to look like when you do think about it. Um, You know, what that perfect career looks like, what the perfect family looks like, the perfect house. And as I've gotten older, I find that the criteria that go into all of that due diligence for my decisions has started to change. Um, And so for me right now, in my mid-life, I mean, I'm in my mid-40s at this point, and I find myself thinking more about what is the impact that I'm going to be able to have on other people. And so that's now a factor that I didn't consider 20 years ago. Like, What positive impact can I create around me? I'm also finding myself optimizing more for my own joy than I did in the past. So it's less about, as you said, like, what can I get? What can I have? And just more, how will I feel if I do this? Am I likely to be more joyful in life? Is this going to bring me new experiences, which for me are joyful. For some people, new experiences are stressful. But for me, that's joyful. So am I going to be able to have that sense of amazement and wonder and, you know, that exploration and adventure? That's something I'm likely to optimize more for now than I did before. So the criteria that go into the decision-making has also started to evolve as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's, uh, I I wish I could say this is, universal but but I am happy to say that uh I've I've gotten that a lot for from people who say you know at some point the 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 whole um uh, what concerns you is is not so much this curation of life around you so that you don't get things that kind of intrude and ruin your day, right? Rather than um embrace the agency you have and really double down on using it rather than being afraid of using it and being afraid of reality intruding, actually realizing that you have a lot of say in what that reality is going to be like and go full force uh, doing that going forward, uh, which, which is an interesting shift that you now just mentioned because it turns out that a lot of, a lot of joy, a lot of, um, a lot of feeling of wellness comes about when you just see things uh, being a little bit more harmonious there. And it's thanks to you. That's, that's better than just having the kind of day where everything was perfect. You know, the weather was perfect. Everyone you met was nice. Um, You know, everyone, you know, had a great day and so on, things that are just coincidental in, in nature. And when you realize that you can actually make sure that things are not coincidentally this good, but intentionally, that's, that's a big uh, turning point, I think, in life and, and in all of perception that kind of opens up new horizons and, and makes uh, and unlocks uh, different landscapes for us to explore as, as people.
1: Yeah, so the intentionality is, is really key. It's about creating it's it's creating the opportunities for things to, you know, bring the kind of experiences you want into your life. Because as you start focusing less on the material things and more on how you're going to feel and how you're going to impact others, what you really want to do is create the space for that and the other thing that gets um really important is the perspective that you bring to it because you can be really intentional about creating these opportunities and you know not depending on coincidence as much but if you still then bring you know a, a doom and gloom perspective when something does go wrong you know then you're shattered because it's like, but I was trying so hard to create. And it's like, well, okay, sure you were, but this happened and you know, what can you get out of that? Um, I mean, one of the funniest stories my mom and I have is a trip we had taken. We had gone, you know, we were staying somewhere in the U S and we went shopping, you know, we, we took a taxi headed down the road. To some shops and we spent a couple hours shopping so we come out and we have these massive bags and we realize we're not seeing any taxis and there are no buses running and it's a Sunday and apparently in the neighborhood we were in things pretty much slowed down at lunchtime and there was nobody out, and we're like okay how far can it be like we didn't go that far from the hotel so we start walking and it starts pouring oh, like God. Absolutely pouring, sheeting down. The rain is just like drenching us. And we just started to laugh because what were we going to do? Like, I mean, we could have made that ruin the entire day and we'd have been all upset. But for us, it was just hilarious that, you know, we had gone this far out. We didn't know who, you know, that we weren't going to find a taxi. We had all of these bags. So it's not like we could even really run. The rain is pouring down. People are looking at us like we're absolutely crazy because we're walking in the rain and we're just laughing because it was the funniest thing that we, you know, we, we couldn't have imagined it, but for us, this is now probably like 15, 20 years later. And we still laugh when we think about it because it was funny, you know, and we have lots of travel stories like that where things didn't quite go as planned, Mm -hmm. but because we came at it with a perspective of, you know, we're together, we're having fun. It's just another story in our trip. We, our perspective on it is very different to some people who, who get so caught up in creating the right moment, you know, so they bring the intentionality, but then they're so focused on having that perfect outcome. And so there's still a problem because if it doesn't work out, which sometimes as you said, I mean, there are things outside our control. We couldn't control the weather, you know, but crappy weather doesn't have to ruin your day. And so you still have to come at things with the right perspective.
0: Yeah. And I, I do think, you know, what, what can you do? It's it's objectively funny, the whole situation. So what if it happens to be you who's in the rain? It doesn't matter. You know, the, as a, as a story, as a, as a story arc, it's, it's just a good one. And yeah it, you know going back to choices i always feel that the 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 attempt to have good outcomes is is just mentally taxing because if you do have to um, be diligent about choices that are in the end quite trivial and do not have serious consequences well then what what have you done really you've just caused yourself to be stressed about something which doesn't call for it. And then in the end, uh, things like that, like the story you just mentioned, you know, uh, one thing you could have done is to be really mad at yourself for not checking the bus schedule. Right. Um, And, and and some people would, would look at that and do that. But looking over, over at the uh, timeline of, of a life, right. That means that you would now check the bus schedule every time that you would go everywhere. You would make it a routine. You would make it something that you spend time on. And on top of that, if you do that, then you probably want to check a few other things. And it just leads to the situation where you are guaranteed to spend a lot of time Preventing something that's actually quite rare, you know? And it's and it's it the reason it's funny probably is because it's kind of this perfect storm, haha, <laughs> literally, um, of of circumstances coming together to create this this ridiculous happening, right? So we don't want to um make sure that nothing ever happens to us or something like that because by if we do that we then make sure that something does happen to us which is we're going to be very mentally taxed by all this um, computation we engage in.
1: Exactly and one of the things that it's important to leave space for serendipity. You still want to leave space for those coincidences because sometimes the absolute best things will come out of that. Um, You know, there are lots of, I mean, I don't necessarily have my romantic meet cute at this point, (laughs) but for a lot of people, you know, when they dig into how they ended up meeting their perfect person, it was a random chance encounter you know even if they had spent years plotting out what the perfect person looked like and how they would meet them and they go through you know this whole process and then half the time it's just you know they just happen to randomly meet somebody and it's like oh wow look that happened but if you overly plan and overly analyze and you know get so focused on as you said making sure nothing happens to you then you don't leave room for things to happen to you. And sometimes those are good things that happen, you know? So it's, again, it's a very different approach. I know lots of people who are those planners and that's how they, you know, they plan out their whole life. They plan out their career. They plan out their relationships. You know, they, they kind of leave nothing to chance, but that's I think takes a lot of joy out of the journey. Like when you look back, all you're going to remember is that you plan.
0: (laughs) Right. And, you know, one one area where it's very apparent to me is um, travel, right? Like traveling abroad, I think used to be just a much more adventurous thing where you would just uh, rent a car or whatever and go and not worry so much about where you're going to sleep and all that. And I think in general, like a lot of people still do it that way, but I think in general, our culture has turned into something that has made that a job too. It's like go on a thousand websites, see, you know, how many stars this place got, how many stars this place got. And, you know, I must admit that even for myself, I'm less comfortable with that kind of of travel where, I'm going and I don't know where I'm going to spend the night. And I find myself that I have to push back against my own tendency a little bit to leave room for, for serendipity, because some of the craziest stories I have are just about chance encounters and about those times that, you know, I almost ran out of gas because I didn't know where the gas station was. And that is a memorable thing. And I ended up, you know, just, just these stories and, I uh, I wish for ourselves that we would uh, remember, that we will remember to kind of leave things um, open in the, in the future. I think it's, it's really important to get out of the mindset of, of everything must be perfect and planned out.
1: Yeah. And uh, as you said, like travel is an obvious one. Right. We definitely have changed the way that we travel and very often our best travel stories are the unplanned ones. Things that just happen spontaneously, Um, you know, the coincidences, the serendipitous moments. And when we extrapolate from that to our life in general, when we look back, some of our best memories are the things we didn't plan for. You know, they're the people we didn't expect to meet. It's the places we didn't think we were going to end up. Um, And that's where we had the most fun, got the most learning, you know, made the best connections that opened up a whole other world of opportunities. Because it's difficult, nearly impossible to plan for some of that. You know, Mm -hmm. you can plan for the general direction, but... It's not going to be easy for you to sit down and say, well, in five years, I'm going to go for coffee at this cafe and I'm going to meet the person who's going to invest in my business. Like, you don't know that. There's no way for you to plan for that. But if you leave room for it, you know, and then recognize, you know, just kind of the freedom that comes from that openness. That's when you create space in your life for these really amazing things to happen. You can point yourself in the right direction, but you still, you still have to allow for things to happen.
0: Right. And there's also, there's also an issue with looking at the catalog of things that are already uh, rated and ranked by other people or by whoever, you know, and obviously it's a tendency to go at the uh, like priciest or having five stars or whatever, but that actually probably means that you've had the most excitement connected to this place with when the moment was when you chose to go there, rather than when you got there, because if you get to a really pricey restaurant that has three Michelin stars, and then, you know, pretty much like there is some possibility that you're going to be like, oh, it, it lived up to the hype and all that, or maybe you can show off to friends, but uh, regardless, if you if you disregard the the social aspect of saying I've been there and so on, like if you just look at the at the menu and stuff, chances are uh, your feeling is probably not going to get as good as the moment when you kind of book the place there, you know, months ahead or something like that. So we're also setting ourselves up um, for disappointment when we when we just kind of plan this perfect trip. Now that you have it in your mind, the whole trip, you know, what's going to happen? Well, of course, the only thing that could happen, it's not going to be that. It's going to be something else. So in that sense, uh, we would have been better off to just go there and not have uh, many expectations because it's just as you say, it's the least expected things that are novel to us that we couldn't foresee that end up to be the most memorable and enjoyable
1: exactly exactly because at best as you said it's going to meet your expectations like if you've planned everything out, the best case scenario is it's going to be exactly what you expected which you know that's that going to that takes away some of the joy you know whereas if you go into things without that level of planning you know, you hope it's gonna be good, but you don't really know, then when it is great, you're like, oh, wow, this is awesome, it worked out. Um, you know, if it's not so great, again, it goes back to how significant is it that it wasn't great? You know, so you brought up restaurant, like I have one friend who, he always eats the exact same thing. Like wherever he is, whatever city he's in, like, he's going to find somewhere to eat the exact same thing. And it's not necessarily <laughs> the exact same dish, but it's always going to be, like, let's say, chicken and rice.
2: Uh-huh. Because
1: that's what he, you know, he's comfortable with that. He knows it's not likely to be too strange. It won't. And I'm just like, but you know, why wouldn't you try something new? You're in a new place. And he's like, yeah, but suppose I don't like it. And I'm like, so what if you don't like it? Suppose you love it. <laughs> you know right. um, if you love it then you're going to have a much better experience than you if you get the regular chicken and rice and you know what to expect so again it's the same thing like if you go into it expecting it to be perfect because you planned it out to be perfect and it ends up being perfect you've not actually added anything to your life because it's just what you expected whereas if you left yourself open Yes, to the possibility that it would be less than perfect, but to the possibility that it could be amazing, then that variability and that unexpected the anticipation that comes with that, you know, it, it creates room for so much more of an experience.
0: Right. So in, in that in that sense, it's interesting to think of about choices and how we frame them because thinking about something like that, we could say, well, I chose I chose to go to that place X and we could say it like that or uh, to have that experience, like there could be different level of, of detail that we go to in our choice. Like we made the choice to what, and I guess there is some sort of Goldilocks zone where we don't want it to be too vague, where it's like, I, I have no idea what I'm doing, but also not too detailed, so that we are um, going to miss a lot, of the, a lot of the serendipity that could come along the way. And yeah, I'm just, this is just a thought that's appearing to me um, now, but are there going to be different ways to, to express uh, choice to other people or to oneself? Like, do I choose to, to do something? That's one level of details, like I choose this action, right? But if you want to be more detailed, you could say, "I choose this action to do that." And I'm sure that you could make it more and more detailed, and I wonder if there is some sort of uh, Goldilocks zone where it's um, just a balance between a balance between, you know, rationality, like I know what I'm doing. Uh, and and serendipity words, like I'm not a hundred percent sure what I'm gonna be getting.
1: and I think, like most things in life, there is a balance, and that balance is going to be different for everybody. Um, for some people, they need to be closer to the rational, but hopefully still leaving a little room, you know, for serendipity. um and there are, of course, other people. You know, I'm sure we all know some of those where they just they just kind of throw their hands up and leave everything to chance and they just kind of go with, you know, however they feel in the moment, they just make a choice and they go with it and see where it takes them. And I think for most of us, we're somewhere on that spectrum, like there's a balance that's perfect for us. Um, For me, I factor in, as I said, you know, using my worst case scenario, I kind of figure out, well, how much thought do I even need to put into this in the first place? So for the things that I don't put a lot of thought into, there is obviously a lot of serendipity that's possible because I haven't really thought those. I'm just going to kind of make a choice. For the things that are more significant for me, or at least I think are more significant for me, that I put a lot more analysis into, um, there's still always going to be a lot of room for serendipity because I recognize that I can't plan out everything. So even if I put a lot of thought into making the decision, the amount of planning that I then put into that decision is still going to have room for openness and, you know, um, things to just happen. So when I did make my decision to stay in the southern United States, did I have a plan? Sure, I had a plan, but there was still you know, I ended up going, I got an apartment with a friend of mine from Jamaica who happened to be moving up at the same time. Um, There were a lot of things I had not really planned out about how that was going to work. And so there were a lot of things that happened in that experience over the course of two years that were unanticipated. Um, When I did get to the school that I wanted to attend, there were a lot of things that were open to chance. It's not like I was ever going to be able to plan who exactly was I going to become friends with. I couldn't plan who I was going to sit next to, you know, for the next two years of classes. I couldn't plan exactly what was I going to be doing outside of my class time. Um, So there was still a lot of room for experiences to happen that themselves can end up changing the course of my life Um, because that's really what happens is that, when you do leave yourself open to serendipity, you still have choices in those moments about how to take, take up those opportunities. You know, do you continue the conversation with that random stranger who started talking to you? Do you, you know, continue walking down that strange street that you started down because it looked kind of cool? Um, you still have choices in those moments about how far to follow the serendipity and, yeah. you know, that's where the life path gets unique and interesting because the choice that you make in that moment also has the opportunity to completely change what happens for the rest of your life. But you won't know until you look back that it did.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah. I love it. Um, quick fire question is not choosing a choice.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. No question about it. Um, And that's one of the reasons why I firmly believe we always have a choice. Yeah. Because even in not choosing, you are making a choice to stay wherever you are with whatever the circumstances are. And that is a choice in itself. Um, Unfortunately, most people aren't thinking about it. And so, by telling themselves they're not choosing, they think that, you know, they're not changing anything mm-hmm. there, but they are right? because right. they have chosen a particular path, wherever, you know, whatever the consequences of that choice. So I have counseled friends and coached people who are thinking about, should they leave their job or not? And in their mind, they're like, well, I mean, my job is fine. It's not terrible. I'm getting paid. So it's not a big deal. And so maybe I don't need to make a choice. And I'm like, but staying, you're making a choice. And there are consequences to staying that you're not thinking about right now, but they are there and they will happen. And so you are making a choice in this moment if you decide not to make an alternative choice. Yeah. And when people start to realize that that they do have a choice, um, as we said before, it, it kind of adds back that agency because it it changes their perspective from, you know, my circumstances are keeping me here. So well, I'm choosing to stay here because it's easier, it's safer, it's more comfortable. You know, they're making a choice to stay. It's not that they're being forced to stay. Um, and so it does add back that agency and, and sense of empowerment. Um, so definitely not choosing totally a choice. <laughs>
0: yeah. I always think it's a, it's a, it's a nice, uh, paradoxical, uh, thing, but, but totally true. And then the powerful, uh, thing to remember going forward. Yeah. Um, um, this is great I, I loved it and especially um I, I love the advice of making a decision and going to to uh to sleep immediately and seeing what comes up in the morning and it's just the kind of stuff that i i love hearing from people i'm, I'm having these conversations for the podcast with so thank you so much for it and before we uh um, before we part ways i'd love for you to share with listeners um, a little bit about your work and where you could be found um, online or elsewhere. So please go on.
1: Sure. So I'm easy to find online. Um, if you Google me, Bianco B-I-A-N-C-A, Wells, W-E-L-D-S, I can be found via Google. You will find my website, which is BiancaWells.com. You will also find me on Twitter at, at Bianca Wells. And My work has evolved as I've continued to make choices. Um, Having started out in technology, I am now working in the field of innovation. And while I have a day job in corporate innovation for a financial group, I'm also building out my career as a coach. And so we'll be offering innovation and creativity coaching in the near future. So if anybody is interested in understanding how they can become more creative and innovative about how they make the choices in their life and their career, then I'm happy to talk some more and they can reach out to me.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Bianca. This has been great and uh, thanks again.
1: All right, thanks, Ayel.